Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Forever broadcast. I'm your host, Matt Perry. Join us weekly as we explore the golden era of American radio through the dramas, westerns, mysteries, and comedies that shaped the golden age. Be sure to give us a thumbs up or a five-star review on all of the podcast directories that you may use. Hey guys, your host Matt Perry here. Exciting news for Old Time Radio Forever. We've just recently started working with our new sponsor, Podcorn.com. P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com. Podcorn.com is an online marketplace that connects podcasters to podcast advertisers. There is no middleman with Podcorn.com. You as a podcaster, or if you wish to be an advertiser, you simply search through advertising opportunities, and you work together to produce great podcasting content. For you podcasters out there, there is no worry. You lose none of your exclusive rights to your podcast, and all Podcorn does is help you get connected to potential advertisers. The great thing about Podcorn working with Old Time Radio Forever is it allows me to devote more time to the program. So now there'll be more episodes each week, and inside of each Old Time Radio Forever episode, you have multiple Old Time Radio shows. So show a big thanks to our new sponsor, Podcorn, and click the link in our description below, or head on over to podcorn.com. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Old Time Radio Forever. Very excited to be able to devote more time to Old Time Radio Forever and produce more episodes each week. A sincere thank you to everybody that has been listening. I want to give a special shout out. We have almost 8%, excuse me, 8% of our audience comes from the United Kingdom, which uh, it doesn't surprise me because there's fantastic old time radio shows from across the pond. It's just very, I guess uh, it feels very good that uh, little old me here in West Virginia just uh, doing something that I love and a hobby that I've always enjoyed and that people literally across the ocean uh, is listening to it. So a special shout out to our 8% or so listeners that are in the United Kingdom and all across the world. We're in over 20 different countries the last time I checked. And so that just makes me smile. I love it. I'm asking a favor. I ask very little. If you could send a message to oldtimeradioforever at gmail.com or send an anchor voice message, I would love to hear where you're located, what shows you like, or just to chat about old time radio. So my email once again is oldtimeradioforever at gmail.com. Well, enough about that. Let's get to the shows for this evening. We're going to have a comedy block tonight. And the first is arguably one of the best comedy duos of all time, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Now, the thing with Abbott and Costello is their radio programs are hit and miss. Earlier in our run here on Old Time Radio Forever, I talked about how uh, the boys sometimes uh, lacked in the preparation department when it came to their radio program. But that's not to say there's not laughs along the way. During the run, Costello invented a um, a detective that made fun of all the radio detectives, <clears throat> and he called him Sam Shovel which is an exact play off of Sam Spade, detective. And so Sam Shovel would always, uh, he had this deadpan delivery. it's, It's really funny. And so I thought I would share a Sam Shovel episode tonight, and it is entitled 
I've got my love to keep me warm. From March the 24th, 1949, here's Abbott and Costello on Old Time Radio forever. Hey, Abbott, what time is it? It's time for the Abbott and Costello Show. We're on the air for ABC here in Hollywood. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go with the Abbott and Costello Show. Yes, it's the Abbott and Costello Show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood for your listening and laughing pleasure, with chuckles with a carload and music by Matty Malnick. So hold on to your chairs, folks, for here they are, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. What are you so excited about? You know our new picture, Mexican Hayride? Yes. Mexican. Yeah, it's playing at the theater across the street. And when the women see me in that picture, they they get so hysterical that every night at 7 o'clock, a woman jumps off the roof of the theater. Yeah? What time is it now? Two minutes after 7. She was late tonight. Talk sense. Did your Aunt May see the picture, Lou? Oh, uh, she was going to, but Uncle Mike put a St. Patrick's Day joke on her. St. Patrick's Day, he took her out to the airport, tied a rope on a plane, and told her to hang on to the other end of it. St. Patrick's Day has been <laughs> gone for a week. Yeah, so has Aunt May. <laughs> <laughs> your Uncle Mike ought to be ashamed of himself. He's as big a jerk as you are. Uncle Mike ain't no jerk. He's a student, and he's so educated that he can speak 15 languages. Well, uh, he should be happy. He isn't. Aunt May knows how to say shut up in every one of them. <laughs> but by going to college, Uncle Mike has got a new job. He's going to Egypt to dig up the tomb of Tut and Cayman's daughter. How did they ever give him that job? Did... <laughs> <laughs> it says Tut and Cayman. Yeah, he's a stranger. How do you say it? <laughs> How do you say it? Tutankhamun. <laughs> He's going to dig up the, the, the tomb of Tutankhamun's daughter. <laughs> well, Lou, how did they ever come to give him that job, anyhow? One night they saw Aunt May. What's that got to do with getting the job? They figured that if he could dig up Aunt May, he could dig up anything. Oh, get him out <laughs> Before the boys get any further involved in nonsense, here's a thought that makes good sense. I'm in there.
yelling. Let's stop yelling. What did you say, kid? I called your house last night and there was no answer. Where were you? I went to a quiz show, Abbott. One guy won 100 silver dollars. Another guy won 35 silver dollars. I won Dr. IQ's wife. Wait a minute. <laughs> How'd you win Dr. IQ's wife? He ran out of Snickers. <laughs> I don't know. These quiz shows are amazing. Stop the music has over $30,000 in the jackpot. I wonder how they get all that easy money to give away. Well, it's easy. They got a drip pan under the Bank of America. <laughs> oh, talk sense. Don't you listen to any, anything but quiz shows? Oh, sure. My favorite show is all about Mabel Fuzzleburger. <laughs> Who puts that kind of stuff in? <laughs> Me, Tata Kaman's daughter. Now I got Fuzzleburger. <laughs> Start all over. Start that again. Let's hear that. My favorite show... Why should I? It was good. My favorite show <laughs> is all about Mabel Fuzzleburger. You should have heard it yesterday. Her father broke both his legs and her brother... Her father broke both his legs and her brother is in a plastic cast and they were so happy to hear that their Aunt Emma only has to have eight operations instead of 12. It ended when Mabel pushed her husband's wheelchair over the window just in time to see her father get killed by a hit-and-run driver. <laughs> What's the, what's the name of the program? Life Can Be Wonderful. <laughs> forget about radio. I forgot about the last joke. Yeah. <laughs> get, out, get out of the house once in a while and go to the movies. My Uncle Mike used to take me to the movies every Saturday before he had his accident. What accident? Uncle Mike ran his car on a telephone pole and cut up both his ears. He can't see so good anymore. What's getting his ears cut off got to do with his being able to see? Now he ain't got no place to hook his glasses. <laughs> I understand that you were in the car with Uncle Mike and, and you, that you got hurt too. Yes. I had shooting pains ever since. Shooting pains? Mm -hmm. Are they getting any better? No, since I gained all that weight, they're getting worse. Why are they getting worse? They got more to shoot at. <laughs> you and your Uncle Mike are a couple of nitwits. I don't see how your Aunt May puts up with them. Well, she's not going to put up with them much longer. He hits her, and besides that, she found out he's unfaithful. He's unfaithful? Yes, he hits other women, too. <laughs> I don't know what your Uncle Mike will, will ever do if your Aunt May ever leaves him. Uh, he'll do all right, Abbott. He's got a new invention. Your Uncle Mike and his phony inventions. None of them ever work. Well, he's got one now. I can't miss, Abbott. It's a thing that when a girl is hungry and thirsty, it feeds her and gives her something to drink. What's it called? A man. A man. <laughs> Well, here I am, fellas, and I'm all ready to go. What do you want? Come on, ask me a question so I can win a speed queen washing machine or a mix master. I'm sorry, fella. This is the Abbott and Costello, and we're not allowed to give anything away. Oh, you're not? I think I'll give you a good punch in the nose. I'm sorry. We're not allowed to accept anything, either. <laughs> you guys have got to give me better jokes than this, or I quit. This is Abbott's uncle, folks. Why don't you get this guy a job, Abbott, and keep him out of here? Well, I nearly had a job this morning. I went over to the department store and applied for a job in a long underwear department. What happened? They told me they didn't have an opening for me. <laughs> He'd probably have got the job if he'd have kept his trap shut. Uh. 
Yeah, but if he don't stay out of here, I'm going to punch him in the nose. I'll tell you right now. Are I'm, you I'm, kidding? Are you kidding? I'll punch him right in the nose. You're a coward. Well, aren't you a coward? No. You're a, a scaredy cat, aren't you? No. You're a yellow belly, aren't you? No. Try panty waist. <laughs> are, are you a panty waist? Yes. I thought so. I'll bet you couldn't even take candy away from a baby. Well, that all depends. What do you mean? Boy or girl. <laughs> oh, there you are, Costello. I've been looking for you. You know, when you took me home last night, yeah. I forgot to kiss you goodnight. Yeah. And I'm going to do it right now. Oh, thank Come you. Come here. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Viola. You know, when you, t- when you hold me in your arms like this and squeeze me tight, I get annoying feeling in my chest. Is it love? No, my elk's tooth is chewing on my ribs. Shame on you, Costello. You can't even stand a little squeeze from a girl. You're a weak. Now, don't say that, Abbott. I'm one of the toughest guys you ever saw. I used to be a bullfighter. One time I fought a bull and an ox, both in the same ring. You did? And I'll never forget it. First I charged the bull, then I charged the ox. Then I charged the bull, then I charged the ox. Hey, wait a minute. How, how did you do that? I had a charge account at Bullocks. <laughs> Whoever wrote that one gets to the head of the class. You sound like a pretty rugged guy, Costello. As soon as I get my place, I'll let you know. Oh, yes! I had a charge account of... Oh, we did that, didn't we? You sound like a pretty rugged guy. That's your line. I'll say I'm rugged. It's gotta be me. I'm doing the whole script I'll say I'm rugged Last summer I spent a whole vacation All by myself out in the woods I, I even learned how to make a fire By rubbing two sticks of wood together You can make a fire by just rubbing two sticks together? Sure, but one of them has got to be a match <laughs> Viola, how about you and me stepping out after the show? I got, I, I, I got all dolled up tonight just for you. Yeah, I noticed that. You look awfully cute, Costello. And I also noticed that you smell wonderful, too. What have you got on? Nothing. <laughs> well, I guess that explains it. <laughs> That's telling me, Viola. How about you and me? How about you and I going to the movies tonight? Ha, ha, ha. Don't go with her, Abbott. She'll try to take advantage of you like she did of me. What are you talking about, Costello? Abbott, I took Viola to a movie. She sneaked down the aisle ahead of me and stole the bulb out of the usher's flashlight. <laughs> Why, just, just for that crack, Costello, I'm never going to the movies with you again. Anyway, you're not my type. I prefer men like Gregory Peck and Van Johnson. Oh, yeah. What have I got that they haven't got? Oh, oh. <laughs> what have you got that they haven't got? You got that backwards. That's just the trouble. He's got it backwards. I... <laughs> Viola. Oh, you're being a little rough on Costello. It's not his fault that he's stupid. He had a pretty tough childhood. Uh, is, is, is that, that true, true Cost- Costello? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> 
that true, Costello? Yes, I had a very bad start, Viola. When I was born, I only weighed a pound and a half. Pound and a half? How'd you live? I sold newspapers. <laughs> Not only that, I was so poor that when I was in school, I had to keep my feet under the desk. Why? Because I didn't have any shoes. Oh, Costello, that's awful Not only that, when the teacher asked a question, I couldn't even raise my hand Why not? I didn't have any suspenders either <laughs> I, I can't stand any more of this sad stuff I've, I've got to go to work Where are you Where working? Are you wor- Excuse me Where are you working, Viola? Where are you working, Viola? I've got a job over at the 5 and 10 I'd like to stop in and see you, Viola What department of the store do you work in? I work in two departments I sing songs in the music department And I sell perfume in the perfume department Well, uh, how will I find out? Just walk in the store And if you hear anything or smell anything That's me (laughs) (laughs) That's only half the fun, folks Just as many laughs yet to come But first, listen to this Singer star of the Abbott and Costello show, Hal Winters, with Matty Malnick and his orchestra. Any state in the 48 is great. So let's appreciate that any state is a reason we should celebrate. You know you really rate in any location. Throughout the nation, happiness can be found. From border to border, things are in order. So tip your hat to your home ground. See that little twinkle up in the blue. Oh, glory set aside a special star for you. So take a trip and it will demonstrate. State in the 48 is great. You know, you really rate in any location throughout the nation. Happiness can be found. 
From border to border, things are in order. So tip your hat to your home ground. See that little twinkle up in the blue. Oh, glory set aside a special star for you. So take a trip and it will demonstrate that any state in the 48 is great. All right, come out here, Costello. You know you're not supposed to make phone calls during the show. Who are you talking to? I just call my new girl, Abbott. You have a new girl? When did you start going with her? Last night. I took her for a ride in Griffith Park, and I stopped the car and asked her for a kiss. She says, how dare you? I'm a Hollywood girl, and I don't kiss men in automobiles. Well, it's time you learn, Costello, that a lot of uh, our California girls won't kiss a man in a car in Griffith Park. Yes, I know. The woods are full of them. <laughs> anyway, we parked. I held her hand, and then I couldn't get my car stopped. <laughs> It must be this cold weather. What what kind of oil do you use? The regular kind. I began telling her I was lonely. Well, <laughs> never mind that. How did you meet this girl? She wrote me a fan letter. She fell in love with my Sam Shovel detective character. Are you still getting fan mail on Sam Shovel? Sure. Just listen to this one I got today. Dear Lou Costello, I listen to your Sam Shovel detective program every Wednesday. I haven't missed one of them. I've been trying to run into you for weeks now, but I just can't seem to find you. I'm coming to the studio tonight and certainly hope I get a chance to run across you. Mr. Costello, there's a guy outside says he's just dying to run into you. Well, have him come in. I can't. He's driving a 10-ton truck. <laughs> oh, never mind him, Costello. What have you chosen for your Sam Shovel detective story tonight? Well, it's a case I worked on during the recent cold spell we had here in California. I call it the case of the man who burned his sweetheart's body in the fireplace, or I've got my love to keep me warm. <laughs> oh, shut up, and let's, let's get on with the case. Come on. The makers of Smudge Pot Cigarettes present the adventures of Sam Shovel, Private Detective. But first, a word about Smudge Pot Cigarettes. You can easily recognize Smudge Pot Cigarettes. They're 11 inches long. Of course, we also make the king size. <laughs> and now a word to our lady smokers. Smudge Pots, ladies, do not contain apple honey. If you want apple honey, get an apple honey. <laughs> And now let's listen, folks, to what a tobacco warehouse man has to say about the tobacco that goes into smudge pot cigarettes. If you all don't get that tobacco out of my warehouse, I'm going to call the boat of hell. <laughs> At auction after auction, the makers of smudge pots have put in the highest bid. So far, they have bought 800 watches, 35 sets of living room furniture, carpets, and drapes. If they ever go to a tobacco auction, brother, will we have a cigarette. <laughs> and now your favorite detective program. Here he is, Sam Shovel, Private Detective. Yes, I'm Sam Shovel. <laughs> Sam Shovel, Private Detective. 
I'm grilling a suspect in my little office. Tell me, who killed Dave the Dip? I know you did it. Speak up. So you won't talk, eh? I'm trying to wring a confession out of him. <laughs> Giving this guy the third degree don't do no good. He's been hit on the head with a rubber hose so much he don't get his hair cut no more. He just has his head retreated. <laughs> Looks good, too. He's got gray temples with white sidewalls. <laughs> I decided to forget about this guy. I got more important stuff to work on. The studio called me today. They want me to find Sidney Greenstreet. They can't find him. They looked everywhere. It seems he just disappeared into fat air. <laughs> well, back to work now. I'm on a very baffling case. I've been trying to find the solution, but I've been barking up the wrong tree. For weeks now, I've been barking up the wrong tree. I didn't solve the case, but I made friends with a very nice cocker spaniel. <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting a lot of new cases lately. <clears throat> Sam Shovel speaking. Uh, hello, Detective Shovel. This is Mrs. Fields. Did you trail my husband last night? I did, Mrs. Fields. I'll read you the report. Your husband went to three nightclubs. Six different bar rooms, four cocktail lounges. Then at one o'clock this morning, he drove up to Mulholland Drive. My goodness, what was he doing? <coughs> Following you. Oh! <laughs> well, I guess I'll knock off work now for a few minutes and have my lunch. I've got a sandwich in my pocket. Ah, there it is, my favorite sandwich. Tuna fish salad with sliced tomatoes and pickles. Just dripping with mayonnaise. I'm going to eat this sandwich the hard way. The hard way. Without bread. <laughs> now for a smoke. I decide to light up a white owl. Putting down the white owl, I reach for a cigar. I've got... <laughs> I got a slight cold this morning When I came to the office, I blew my nose Haven't seen it since Wonder where I blew it Well, it's about time for my pal Lieutenant Abbott of the Homicide Squad to show up Lieutenant Abbott only has one weakness When he takes a drink of bourbon, it goes to his head It's gotta go to his head His body is filled up with scotch Hello, Sam. Sam, congratulate me. I just broke an important case. Which case, Lieutenant? Remember the crooks? Shack I broke into and found 50 gallons of green ink, a bundle of paper cut the size of dollar bills in a printing press? Yes, that was three months ago. Well, this morning, I convicted that crook of counterfeiting. Brilliant work, Lieutenant. When did you first suspect he was a counterfeiter? A year ago. He came into my office and confessed. <laughs> Any other new cases, Sam? Yes, last night I got a job guarding the bodies in the funeral parlor. That must have been a pretty lonesome job. Yes. I got so lonesome that I played gin rummy with one of the corpses. You idiot. Corpse can't play gin rummy. Then how come I lost $18? <laughs> 
<laughs> Talk sense, Sam. I got word today from the state prison that Melvin Hotrod, the, the reckless driver, goes to the electric chair at midnight tonight. You worked on that case, didn't you? Yes, Melvin Hotrod knocked off six pedestrians in the safety zone. But they can't send him to the chair. I've got some new evidence that will prove him innocent. What evidence? I found out that Melvin didn't have a driver's license. <laughs> then he's innocent. Sam, we've got to stop the execution. How can we do it? I know one man that could save Melvin from the electric chair. Come on, Lieutenant. We're off to the state prison. <laughs> Lieutenant Abbott and I arrived at the state prison. In this prison are confined the toughest criminals in the country. Let me out of here! I want to get out of here! Lieutenant, this is really a tough prison. Just listen to that guy. Please get me out of here! I can't stand it! Let me out! Sam, lots of guys in prison act that way. What makes you think this prison is so tough? That's the warden. <laughs> Here's the guard captain's office, Sam. Let's go in. Ah, nice to see you, Lieutenant Abbott. You too, Detective Shovel. All right, what's on your mind, boys? Uh, Sam is here to see prisoner Melvin Hutrod. Oh, yeah, goes to the chair tonight. We've got him in solitary. He's on Melba toast and water. Don't you mean bread and water? No, he's on a diet. <laughs> All right, step this way, gentlemen. Hey, what's going in there? Oh, those prisoners are working. They're making California license plates. Why are they hitting them with hammers and bending them all up? Well, today we're making license plates for Los Angeles drivers, and we'd like them to match the cars. <laughs> By the way, what did you want to see Prisoner Hot Rod about, Mr. Shovel? I'm here to stop the execution. You can't electrocute him. Who says so? Have you an order from the governor? I got a more important man than that who will stop you from electrocuting Hot Rod. He'll be here in a minute. This is ridiculous, Sam. Hot Rod goes to the electric chair in five more minutes, and you can't stop this electrocution. He's right, Sam. Oh, yes? Here's my man now. He'll stop it. I get here in time, Sam? Wait a minute. Who is this guy? He's the man that will stop you from electrocuting Hot Rod. His name is Alec. Alec who? Electrician. He's from the light company. <laughs> the light company? You ain't paid your bill. In three months, and he's going to turn off your electricity. Get him out of here! Now, before Abbott and Costello have their final fling, we bring you one more thought on this subject.
say goodnight, Lou. Why don't you tell the folks about your Sam Shovel story for next week? Well, I will. Folks, next week my Sam Shovel case will be a mystery story. I call it the case of the beautiful red-headed lady cook who fell into a pot of boiling goulash. Or oh, there's good stews tonight. <laughs> this great mystery is now being written by our writers. Our writing staff is headed by Eddie Foreman with Paul Conlon, Pat Costello, Martin Ragaway, and Len Stern. And our producer is Charles Vander. See you next Thursday. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. It's Patterson. Good night. Listen each Thursday night at this time for another great Abbott and Costello show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood. Be sure to stay tuned for the outstanding entertainment which follows throughout the evening on this ABC station. From March the 24th, 1949, that was Abbott and Costello, and Costello playing his Sam Spade knockoff detective. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Now, coming up after our commercial break, we are going to go to a comedy series that lasted only one season, and you know my affinity for The Great Gildersleeve. Now, The Great Gildersleeve had some drama. Harold Perry, the original star of The Great Gildersleeve, had a contract dispute and left The Great Gildersleeve, and he was replaced by a sound-alike. Harold Perry went on to create his own program called The Harold Perry Show. It's also been called Honest Harold. Harold Perry played uh, Honest Harold Hemp, and he was a local radio personality that did a kind of like a homemaker's program during the day in his little town. Uh, Debuted in the 1950 season and lasted only a season. Um, According to the old-time radio researchers group, uh, it was panned by critics. They couldn't get over the fact that it was pretty much Gildersleeve Part 2. I've listened to the entire season, and while it's not as good, in my opinion, as The Great Gildersleeve, that's one of my top five favorite programs. I agree with the old-time radio researchers group. This received undeserved negative attention. Hal Perry is still funny, and the new characters are just as zany and entertaining as well. So for our second episode of the night, we're going to go to the one season of the Harold Perry Show from 1950 after our commercial break here on Old Time Radio Forever. The Harold Perry Show. (laughs) And now, Harold Perry as Honest Harold, the homemaker. Well, it's a big day in the little town of Melrose Springs, 
Yes, this is the day when the voters go to the polls to elect their new mayor. Will it be honest Harold Hemp, local radio favorite, or his opponent and boss, Stanley Peabody, manager of the local radio station? Well, right now, honest Harold is nervously pacing up and down in the office of his campaign manager, Doc Yancey, the veterinarian. Why don't you sit down and relax, Harold? You're wearing out the congolium. How can I relax, Doc? When are the returns going to start coming in? Well, any minute now. But you've got nothing to worry about with a political wizard like me running your campaign. <laughs> and I want you to know, Harold, my animals are with you to a man. Good. Too bad they can't vote. <laughs> that is except the bunnies. Now, some of the rabbits are for Peabody and some are for you. I guess that's what you call splitting hairs. <laughs> Doc, this is no time for one of your bums. There's the phone. As I hear it. Well, answer it, will you? Maybe some returns are coming in. Honest Harold Hemp for Mayor Headquarters. Dr. Yancey, veterinarian and campaign manager speaking. <laughs> oh. Who is it? Precinct number one, George Schrader's grocery store. Grocery store? Has he got some returns? What's that, George? Ten and twenty-five? Is that ten and twenty-five votes? No, it's ten and twenty-five cents. He's having a special on tapioca today. <laughs> tapioca? Tell him I don't want any. Uh, nothing today, George. Goodbye. Tapioca. Call precinct number two, will you, Doc? Oh, that's the schoolhouse. All right. Two o'clock. We ought to have some of the votes counted. Yes, I imagine they should. Hello? Miss Zeigenfuss? Uh, this is Dr. Yancey. Have you counted any votes there yet? What's that? Seven! Oh, isn't that wonderful? Seven votes for me? No, no, Harold. Miss Eigenfuss's dog had seven puppies. <laughs> Four boys and three girls. Congratulations. Uh, Miss Eigenfuss, Harold sends his congratulations. Uh, how is the little mother? She was a little depressed, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so do I. Oh, well, that's only natural. Doc, ask her about the votes. Well, now, Miss Eigenfuss, you do everything you can to cheer that dog up. Hey, maybe you can let her watch the television tonight. Yeah, maybe she can watch Bulldog Drummond. <laughs> Doc, the votes! Hmm? Oh, oh, uh, Harold wants to know if you've counted the votes. Oh, you have? What's that? Oh, thanks very much. Uh, goodbye. What did she say, Doc? Oh, Harold, smartest thing you ever did, making me your campaign manager. How many votes have I got? 20 for Peabody. Yeah. And 45 for Honest Harold. How are the little puppies? <laughs> At this rate, it'll be a landslide. You think so, Doc? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Now, we better start making plans for a big victory rally tonight. All right, I'll get right on it. Hey, just a minute. We better tell my animals the good news. <laughs> Friends! Quiet, quiet now. I've got some wonderful news. Just got the first returns, and I want you to meet the new mayor of Melrose Springs, Honest Harold. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind Elmer, Harold. He's a diehard. Yeah. He's still sore about Alf Landon. <laughs> Gosh, I really can't believe it, Doc. Mayor Harold Hemp. Doc, old friend, I don't know how to thank you for all you've done for me. No, it wasn't so much. All I did was manage your whole campaign single-handedly. 
Yeah, you did that, Doc. Yes, I was kind of shrewd, didn't miss many tricks. Yeah. Well, guess I'll go home and tell Mother the good news. In fact, I don't know anyone who could run your campaign any better. Yeah, well... It's just sort of a knack I have, I guess. Doc, I admit it. You did a wonderful job. Oh, it wasn't so much. All I did was manage your whole campaign. Oh, goodbye, Doc. Can't believe it. Looks like I'm really going to be mayor. I'll be the leading civic dignitary of Melrose Springs. Hey, I wonder if the mayor gets in the movies free. Uh, here's Ed's cleaning place. Think I'll drop in and get my suit pressed. I'll look my best at the big victory rally tonight. Well, howdy, Ed. Well, hello, Harold. <laughs> you know, Ed, you're looking at the next mayor. Well, uh, <laughs> congratulations, Your Honor. <laughs> Thanks. Going to have a big victory rally tonight. Just thought I'd get my suit pressed. Oh, you're going to wear that suit? Huh? Why, a mayor should have an official outfit, Your uh, Honor. Official? Well, uh, I guess so, but I don't own one of those cutaways. Oh, that's too bad. But uh, say, chum, you are in luck because I just happen to think of something. What's that? Well, I just happen to have a cutaway suit here in the shop that'll fit you. Well, uh... Now, it's slightly used, but it's a magnificent garment. Now, why don't you just take a look at it, Your Honor? Well, I guess it wouldn't hurt to look at it, I guess. Why, of course not. Here you are. Just, uh, try on the coat. Yeah, thanks. It's, uh, kind of heavy, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, uh, shark skin, you see. Oh. Made from an extra heavy shark. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what's that fastened to the coattail? It, why, it's a goldfish bowl. Yes, now I uh, forgot to mention it, Your Honor, but this masterpiece of the tailor's art was left here by a magician. Oh? Yeah, Marvello the Great. He uh, played the opera house last night. Oh, yeah, the fellow with the disappearing pigeons. Precisely. Well, I don't think I want a magician suit. <laughs> now, why don't you just slip the coat on for size? Huh? Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, can't get my arm through the sleeve. What's that? Well, what do you know? A collapsible birdcage. <laughs> well, that's how he made the pigeon disappear, eh? Yes, sir, and I will throw in the birdcage at no extra charge. Oh, well, I don't know. Ed. Now, why don't you try on that high silk hat, Your Honor? Oh, one of those, huh? Well, okay. I'll just... <laughs> what flew out of the hat? Oh, my goodness, a pigeon. Ed, I don't think I want this suit. Now, Your Honor, this will make your victory rally a big success. It will? Why, sure, you will be the first mayor in Melrose Springs to give a speech and a magic show at the same time. Well, maybe you're right, Ed. Mayor Hemp, the magician. <laughs> think I'll go down and make Stanley Peabody disappear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good morning, Station KHJP. Election results? Well, early returns will be broadcast at 7 o'clock. You're welcome. Well, good morning, Glory. Why, good mor... Why, Harold, what are you doing in that outfit? Just bought it, Gloria. Meet Mayor Hemp, the magician. Who? Alakazam, Alakazai. The hand is quicker than the eye. Why? Take a card, Gloria, any card. <laughs> All right. Now, madam, you have your card. What is it? The Queen of Hearts. Right. Gee, Harold. <laughs> How did you do that trick? It came with a suit. <laughs> and now for my next trick, ladies and gentlemen, I'll make a pigeon appear. 
Is that you, Hemp? Mr. Peabody. Yeah, instead of a pigeon, I get a pelican. <laughs> Hemp, what are you doing in that comedy costume? Halloween was last night. Very funny. Just why are you wearing that outlandish outfit? For your information, Stanley, this is my victory suit. Victory? Yeah. <laughs> It looks more like unconditional surrender. <laughs> Is that so? It just so happens that I'm leading 45 to 20, Stanley. That's two to one. Why don't you concede, Peabody? Hemp, this election is far from over. Uh. Don't forget the old story about the tortoise and the hare. Well, I'm the tortoise. You've got a good neck for it. <laughs> and another thing. You may be running against me for mayor, but in this station, I'm the boss. Take off that silly high hat. Yes, sir. Hemp. Is that a pigeon that flew out of your hat? Yes, Stanley. I just dropped in to give you the bird. <laughs> See you later. Come on, Doc. Let's get on with the rehearsal. All right, Harold. A great idea I had having this victory rally on your front porch. Oh, Harold. Yes, Mother? Dr. Yancey said he wanted to hang up a picture of you out here on the front porch. So I brought this one. Uh, Mother, that's my baby picture. I'm lying on a bearskin rug. <laughs> that's a good political picture, Harold. The voters can see you're not hiding anything from them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd better get back to the kitchen. I'm making a whole batch of cookies for tonight. Oh, good, Mother. Well, better rehearse the orchestra, Doc. In another hour, they'll be on overtime. Where's my baton? Oh. Fellows? Musicians? Will you please put away those racing forms and look at me? <laughs> I heard that, Meekin. Now, here's the lineup. Now, first, I'll make my acceptance speech. I'll keep it short and sincere. Forty-five minutes should be enough. Smart <laughs> <laughs> oh, then I do a few magic tricks, fellas, and for a grand finale, I croon a number. Now we'll try my entrance music. Now try to follow me. Ready? Go. You're fighting me. <laughs> hey, Harold. What is it, Doc? Want to listen to me rehearse my introduction speech now? Can't you see that I'm busy? Well, I say a lot of nice things about you, Harold. Oh, you do? Well, all right. Let's hear it. Well, all right. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, this victory was won by a courageous man fighting against overwhelming odds. A man you all know and love. Uh... I'm speaking of none other than the new mayor's campaign manager, yours truly, Dr. Yance. Oh. <laughs> Doc, you're supposed to be talking about me. Now, you might be interested in a few brief facts about my life. In <laughs> I graduated from veterinary college. That's when I got my sheepskin. With <laughs> 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 enough money to start my practice, I took a job on a ranch. Before long, I became the man they could depend on to drive the sheep. Ugh. I was the only one who could make a U-turn. <laughs> That's enough. By the time you get through introducing me, my term will be up. The polls close in three hours. You should be out there working for me. Well, all right, Harold. That's all the thanks I get for being the man behind the throne. Uh, make a U-turn. 
A joke like that could lead to a recall. <laughs> Doc's a nice fellow, but sometimes... Carol, huh? I've got some wonderful news. What's that, Mother? They just broadcast the latest election returns. Stanley Peabody, 620. And my son, 948. <laughs> Let's have the victory song, huh, fellas? <laughs> oh, Listen to this, Mother. wonderful. When cares pursue me, I'm never gloomy. I keep on singing a song. Though the clouds hang low, I laugh at woe and go row, row, rolling along. No need to hurry, no need to worry that things are gonna go wrong. Like the birds that sing, I dream of spring as I'm row, row, rolling along. Or oh, give me the moon for a blanket And give me the stars overhead I'll make the mountain my doorstep I'll make the desert my bed I'll spend the hours among the flowers I'll stay away from the throng Let it rain or shine The world is mine as I'm roll-rolling We will return for the second act of our story, Honest Herald, in just a moment. We Americans have a valuable heritage, a heritage of individual freedom that includes the freedom to worship as we wish at the church or synagogue of our choice. By attending church regularly, we can gain the moral and spiritual strength to meet the many problems which confront us today, help support your church, and attend regularly with your family. And now, back to Honest Harold, the homemaker. Well, the early election returns indicate a smashing success for Honest Harold in the race for mayor of Melrose Springs. In fact, Harold is so confident of victory that he has decided to go down to the city hall and say goodbye to the old mayor. Certainly glad I thought of this. Dropping in to see old Mayor McHenry. The sporting thing to do. Wonder why he didn't run for re-election. Guess he knew he couldn't beat me. <laughs> Hope the mayor's in. Hmm. Wonder where he is. There's no ball game today. <laughs> Oh, it's you. <laughs> Mayor, where are you? You're up here, peeking down the transom. I wanted to see who it was. Oh. <laughs> wonder how he got up there. Must have on his Adler shoes. I'll be right down. Well, howdy, Mayor. Hey, come in, Harold. Well, Mayor McHenry, looks like I'm going to be the next mayor. You are? Well, congratulations. <laughs> it's a lovely job. <laughs> I suppose it is. I just thought I'd commit. What was that? Oh, that was nothing. Just Mr. Snodgrass. Huh? 
He throws a brick through the window every day at this time. <laughs> he hates all mares. <laughs> he does? You'll get used to it. Just remember to duck every day at three o'clock. Oh. It's a lovely job. <laughs> well, I just came in to say... Excuse me, Harold. Telephone. Telephone. Hello? Yes, this is Mayor McHenry. You put Mrs. Wigglestaff. You put... You put... <laughs> Mrs. Wigglestaff, watch your language. <laughs> Goodbye. Who's that? Yeah, that was the lady chairman of the sewing circle. Sewing circle? Yes, they sit in a circle and call me a so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do, but it's a lovely job. Well, I, I just wanted to tell... Say, Mayor, is that a bump on your head? Yes, I got that in the line of duty, Harold. Line of duty? Mrs. Green hit me with her umbrella because I wouldn't lower bus fares. Uh, so I finally lowered them. Yeah. What's that bump on the other side? Hey, that's where Mr. McDonald hit me. He owns the bus company. <laughs> but it's a lovely, lovely job. job. <laughs> of course, you have to work 14 hours a day, seven days a week. Seven days a week? And you're always in debt. In debt? Yes, every time they give away a key to the city, they take it out of your salary. Yeah. Oh, you'd be surprised how those keys count up. Oh. But it's a lovely job. <laughs> well, I think I'll go home now and pack a bag. A bag? Are you going on a trip? Not exactly. I'm going to a sanitarium for a six-weeks rescue. A rescue? Oh, it's not serious. It's just the doctor's idea. Uh -huh. He thinks being mayor has affected my nerves. <laughs> but that's silly. It's a lovely job. <laughs> it's just that you have to keep calm, that's all. Lower bus fares. Higher bus fares. Balance the budget. Lower taxes. Please this group. Please that group. Work all day. Study all night. Threatening letters. People hate you. Dogs hate you. Cats hate you. You even hate yourself. <laughs> This lovely job. <laughs> uh, certainly glad I saw the mayor. Sure don't want that job. I gotta work real hard now and see if I can lose this election. Feel kind of silly sneaking around in front of this polling place, though. If I just talk some people into voting for Peabody. Oh, yeah, becomes a voter. Hey, you. What? I want to talk to you. Me? Yeah. Come here. Oh, hello, Mr. Amp. Didn't recognize you hiding behind that telephone pole. Well, there wasn't any tree handy. I mean... Uh... <laughs> Are you going in to vote? Yes, I am. Oh? Uh, were you uh, going to vote for me? That happens to be my business. Oh, You course. politicians will stoop to anything. Yep. Campaigning around the election booth. Pretty shoddy trick trying to get votes this way. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not trying to get votes. I want you to vote against me. Why? Yeah, I'd make a terrible mayor, honestly. Why, I don't know the first thing about the job. You don't? No. What about all those things you said in your campaign speech? Well, you know, campaign speeches. <laughs> Believe me, if you want a good mayor, vote for my opponent, Stanley Peabody. You really mean that? I certainly do. What am I? Just a radio crooner? You know crooners. They're all bohemians. 
<laughs> yes, yes, that's true. I may not look it, but I'm just a gypsy. Fond of dancing, light wines, and beer. Well, you've convinced me, Mr. Hemp. I have? Yes. I was going to vote for Peabody, but your honesty is so refreshing, I've changed my mind. I'm going to vote for you. Oh, I'll see you later. But, mister, wait a minute. You can't do... Uh, certainly hard to lose an election. I wonder how William Jennings Bryan always did it. <laughs> well, I'm still way ahead. The election isn't over yet. Maybe if Peabody got out and did some last-minute campaigning, he could still turn the tide. wonder if I could talk him into it. It's my only chance. Hello, Gloria. Hello, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> Gloria, please don't call me that. Say, have you voted yet? No, but I'm going to right after work. And I'm going to vote for... Guess who? Yeah, look, Gloria, I want you to vote for Stanley Peabody. Oh, aren't you the kidder? <laughs> Gloria, I'm not kidding. Peabody's the best man for the job. He's got a longer record than I have. Yes, but you've got longer eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> Gloria, I'm warning you, if you don't vote for Peabody, I'll, I'll never bring you another Tootsie Roll. I don't care, Harold. You're my little old Tootsie Roll. Uh, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> I'll see you later. I hope Peabody's in. Come in. Well, hello, Stanley. <laughs> oh, hello, Hemp. I wanted to talk to you about the election, Stanley. Oh, I suppose you want to rub it in just because you've won. Oh, but I haven't won yet. Are you trying to tell me I don't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, don't sir. tell me about politics. I know when I've lost an election. But... In fact, I think I'll call the newspaper right now and tell them I concede. Stanley, you can't do that to me. I mean... Uh, what? You can still win the election if you get out and campaign, old man. Remember, the game is no till the final whistle is fired. A man may never be down, but he's never up. Or something. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Don't give up now, Stanley. Get out and give it the old college try. Please, Stanley, please. Can't get up off your knees. Well, all right. What's behind all of this? Why are you so anxious to lose the election all of a sudden? Well, just because I think you're a better man for the job than I am. Naturally. Anyone would be better than a dunderhead like you. Oop. This isn't going to be easy. I can't understand why anyone in their right mind could vote for a boob like you. Why it's so ridiculous, I have to laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Me too. <laughs> what everybody. Hemp, you're one step removed from a moron. I am? I thought I was standing too close to you. Uh, lost my head. Didn't do myself any good with Peabody, certainly. What am I going to do? Just got to lose this election. Hey, I got myself arrested. That might do it. Nobody votes for a jailbird. <laughs> I know. I could open that fire hydrant there. Flood the street. Yeah, that's against the law. I'll just loosen this little nut here. There. Good thing I got my Boy Scout knife with me. Yeah, it's unscrewing. A little more. Oh, brother, look at it go. Now I'll go down to the marshal and turn myself in. Maybe I can float down. <laughs> Cruising down the river on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, 
Pete the Marshal. Uh, his father, old Cleet, is here again. He's the slowest human being I... Cleet! Uh, howdy, Harold. Cleet, why don't you take care of something right away for me? You'll have to wait a minute, Harold. Can't you see I'm practicing? Practicing? Yep, been taking these accordion lessons for six months now. Well, where's the accordion? And I ain't up to that part yet. <laughs> Cleet, I-, I just broke the law. Oh, you did? Say, those accordion people just sent me off for a pretty piece. What? Roses are shining in Piccadilly. Cleet? In the hush of the Cleet, car. I want you to arrest me. Arrest you? Oh, what for? I just turned on a fire hydrant. Say, that's against the law. I know that. That's why I want you to arrest me. Well, okay. But first, I'll have to fill out a form. Oh, <laughs> here we go again. Now, let's see. Uh, felony, yeah. misdemeanor. Wonder what became of her. Who? Misdemeanor. <laughs> I got you that time. Hurry up, will you, please? <laughs> okay, I got the form. Yeah. Now, uh, where was this uh, fire hydrant? Down at 4th and Main. 4th and Main. Let me write that down. Uh, come on, the water's flooding the street. If you don't hurry up, we'll all be drowned. All be drowned. Let me write that down. <laughs> come on, Cleet. You can fill out that form later. Please arrest me. All right, Harold. Here goes. By the powers invested in me by the city of Melrose Springs... I, Cleet, acting for Pete, not Pete acting for Cleet. Yes. <laughs> but Cleet acting for Pete, hereby place you under... Hold on, There's the phone. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Marshal's office. Fire hydrant? Yes, Harold did it. I will. Goodbye. That was the city engineer, Harold. Was he mad about me turning on the fire hydrant? No, he was glad. Said it was the first time the streets had been clean in six months. <laughs> well, how case dismissed. What? Roses are shining in Picardy. Why don't you go there? <laughs> on this park bench forever. Better go home and get ready for my victory rally. I get into the darndest messes. Gosh, I don't want to be mayor. Well, if it isn't honest, Harold. What? How are you tonight, mayor? (laughs) (laughs) He can be happy. I'm the one that's going to have the nervous breakdown. I can just see myself a year from now. I'll be old, worn out, bumps on my head. Hope I don't forget to duck at three o'clock every day. I was so happy being a radio crooner, a bohemian. Harold! Oh, Harold! What? Oh, hello, Doc. I've been looking all over for you. I got news for you. Yes, I'm mayor, huh, Doc? I just got the latest results. Peabody made a big last-minute spurt, and you're both tied. Tied? We are? Is everybody in town voted? Well, everybody who's eligible, except one person. Then his vote will decide the election. Who's the moron that didn't vote? You. Well, I'll talk... What? You've got only ten minutes, so hurry down to the polls and vote yourself in. Well, Harold, congratulations. You're the new mayor. That's what you think. Stanley's going to look awfully good with those bumps on his head. (laughs) Yeah. You have just heard the Harold Perry Show, Honest Harold, who returns in just a moment with an important announcement. 
The supporting players tonight included Jane Morgan, Ken Peters, Frank Nelson, Leo Cleary, Sheldon Leonard, and Jack Moyles, and featured Gloria Holliday as Gloria and Joseph Kearns as old Doc Yak Yak. Norman MacDonald directed, and the music was composed and conducted by Jack Meekin. Honest Herald, created by Harold Perry, was written by Gene Stone, Jack Robinson, and Bill Danch. Now back to Harold Perry. Well, Bob, the Honest Harold Laugh Contest is over. The entries are all in, and in a short while, the national winner will be announced. The lucky lady will be flown to Hollywood by TWA Constellation, where she'll stay at the beautiful Country Club Hotel. And speaking of trips, Bob, I'm going to be up in Portland, Oregon this Friday for the Hollywood Boosters there. Maybe I'll meet some laughers up there, huh? Well, see you next week, folks. Good night. <laughs> and now stay tuned for Bing Crosby, who follows immediately over most of these same CBS stations. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you.